us preachers, you know, we just, sometimes we just don't know when to shut up, but nevertheless, when you get all, when you have to shut up and you can't speak out very much, it gets stored up and it gets mounted and building and building and, and now you're going to get it. But I want to, you know, I, everybody knows I close seven times. So in closing, I want to, uh, I want to, how many, I want to know those of you who are here who are cooks, you cook the meals in your home. Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Thank you. Well, you're going you're gonna to identify with what I'm about to say. When you, uh, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to put it in question form. When you fix a meal and prepare your meal and lay it all out there on the table and the children come in and, and look at it and go, I don't want that. And you say, hey, come on, sit down and eat. No. I'm too busy. How do you feel? Or what do you say? How many, how many have the thought of murder in your mind? Yeah. Well, I've prepared a meal this morning. And I've cooked it. The Holy Spirit has showed me and guided me, so don't let me murder you today. <laughs> the Bible, that book, or that, um, some of you go by phone and what, you have it right there on your phone, that's cool. The Bible is the most precious book known to man. It, is, it has proven itself time and time again. And so this is where I want to minister to you today about. Hallelujah. But first of all, I want to thank you folks for helping and assisting our family when we, we married off Olivia yesterday to Chris and got that all done and you as a church you were so helpful and and a number of you who could you came down all that way and my wife has texted you this morning thanking you I want you to know how special that is she hasn't called me one bit yeah, hey, 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 Slim, you're on your own, baby. <laughs> so this is how much she has appreciated you and thank you. And, and uh, I'm looking back there at Bill. That man knows how to sling the pork, let me tell you. Amen. Amen. I thank you, and each and every one of you. It's good to have a church family. I said it's good to have a church family. Amen. You know, I, I have known the prophet, uh, the value of having a church family when I went through 
uh, my cancer and such, and you have people standing with you in prayer, standing with you in words of edification and uh, such. Oh my, there is nothing more valuable than having a family to stand that will stand with you when you are in a trial. And so we praise God. Thank you, Sunshine, for being the people that this old former pastor can be so proud of. Hallelujah. And uh, I told my wife last night, I said, man, I'm proud of our people. Hallelujah. So thank you so much. I'm, I want you to know I'm prayed up today. I rode back with my son, Josh. And I'm prayed up. And I want you, I think he's counting money, so I, I want you to, if you want to have some fun with him, say, how come you owe Jim Keller the biggest stake in town? That's all you got to ask. And then watch him hang his head and smile and get red face. If it wasn't for Jim... I'd probably be minus one son today. He'd probably been in jail. Or, or it would have costed him. But anyway, you ask him that and just let him confess our faults one to another. Okay. Amen. I'm in love with the Word of God. Because you see, it was the Word of God that has brought me through every one of my trials. I have faced death. I have faced Satan on a number of occasions. And I have had Satanists leave me messages that they were going to kill me and such. And I take great pride in that. When you know you're bothering Satan that much, where he leaves you a note saying, we're going to kill you, you go, oh yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> you know you're doing something right. Amen. And so, it's been the word of God that has brought me through. And uh, Aaron said something last Sunday that just exploded in my heart. And he said, one, to respond to the altar call of when the word has been preached has more value in the transformation of a person. To respond just because of our spirit, that's one thing. But to respond because of the spirit and the word is totally beautiful, totally concrete, hallelujah. And I'm going to show you in just a moment, amen. The Bible is a book of historical fact. It is an instruction manual like no other. You realize that all of the drug help programs and alcoholic programs and all the self-help programs and everything are always go back when you seek and search their beginning 
it always goes back to the Word of God. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? Set you free. Amen. Set you free. And so, I have a good laugh every once in a while with these tremendous, intelligent archaeologists who come along and make some statement that is totally wrong. Like one time they said, David is a mythical person. And we have not found any evidence of him, and so the Bible got it wrong. <laughs> and I'm sure God's going up there going, oh, man, here we go again. And so in a matter of a year or two, they found and unearthed a, a, a stone with, with writing on it, engraving on it, and it said, unto King David. And so now they go, oh. Maybe he was, you know. I want to ask you this question. What has Christ introduced us to? If you, is that up there? Is that question up there? What has Christ introduced us to? Stop and think about that. What has, knowing Jesus Christ, what has that introduced you to? Amen. And Bill, if there's some young fellows out there wandering around, would you get them in here and have them sit down, please? Would you do that right now? Because I want you to learn. I have cooked a good dinner today. Amen. Now, Christ has introduced us into the greatest mind, the greatest power known to man that this universe has ever seen. That's what Christ has introduced you and I to. Hallelujah. There is no wisdom on the face of this earth by any philosopher, any man that can surpass the wisdom of God. Isaiah 55, 9. I want you to look at this, please. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I marvel when mankind thinks they know more than God. Oh, please, give me a break. Amen. And I have seen it so many times. I love this next verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And this is a hope that I have. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for you. Amen. For those who love him. We haven't even begun to think. We haven't even begun to think of what God has prepared for us. Our mind cannot even begin to fathom what God has prepared for us. Amen. Our little peanut minds can't grasp a hold of the vastness of God. Hallelujah. 
Amen and amen. I want to ask this question, and I hope there's some ones that are watching over the internet and such. Is it possible that God knows more than man? Is it possible? <laughs> I want you to, now, you take a notes. I want you to get out of your notepad, and I want you to write down these scriptures. And I'm going to go in three areas of deception that has come upon just, and <laughs> there's a, so many, wow. But three areas of deception that man has, has fallen to, and I, I want to bring them out to you so that you know that that's just exactly what it is, deception, okay? First of all, Proverbs 21.2. Now look at this, please. Jot it down. You'll need, you'll need to reference this every once in a while in your life. Every way of man is right in his own eyes. How many say amen to that? But the Lord weighs, look at this, weighs the hearts. Hallelujah. I find out so many times that when my wife and I are having an argument and such, more than 50% of the time I'm wrong. <laughs> to where I even hate to argue with her anymore because I feel like I'm arguing against a whole group of lawyers. <laughs> and I don't have a chance. But this one here, the next scripture I want to give you, 1625, is what I want you to really grab a hold of. There is a way that seems right unto man. But the end thereof is, look at that, death. So folks, if you will just entertain this thought today, mankind... Us humans, we find ourselves so many times grasping a hold of things that we think are so true, so right, so powerful, and they're so garbage. As I've gotten older, I've realized less and the, the, the things of, that are less and less value, or I should say importance, probably be a better word. Things that I would, it would be in concrete, and you know, my w wife and I would fuss, or we would argue, I'd argue with somebody else, and that was in concrete. And, and as you get older, you go, you know, that's not that big of a deal. Age has a way of bringing wisdom. Now, I want to give you three areas in which great deception has taken place. Number one, the cosmos, okay? The cosmos. How many have ever heard of the Big Bang? I tried to get Rick Hunt. He, he is a master of explosive um, firecrackers and things like this. And I wanted to set up a, a, a something up here and, and put papers on it and, and light it and let it blow up. And I'm saying, we're going to make us a shoebox and light that thing and let it blow up and see if the shoebox appears. 
Yeah, that's, yeah. Listen to me, please. I want you to write down this name that's coming up on the screen. Dr. Mikio Kaku. They just sent up the James Webb Telescope, and the James Webb Telescope has shown such a great vastness of the cosmos that they'd never seen before. And Kaku, astrophysicist, a very intelligent, very intelligent man, examined this information that had been coming back from the James Webb Telescope, and guess what he said about the Big Bang? We were wrong. The Big Bang debunked, and in fact, he went on to say that this, the cosmos, has happened much quicker than they thought, not billions of years, because they can tell through this telescope. Could it possibly be that God may know more than man? Amen. Now let's go to creation, the next one. Years ago, a man brought in, his name was Darwin, brought in the case of evolution. And oh my, it went, it went viral, so to speak. And in fact, James Huxley, who was a great, I use that word loosely, but anyway, a great, a skeptic, was asked on a TV show and said, why has evolution grown so fast and moved so quickly? And this was his answer. Because it doesn't clash with our morals. Stop and think about that. We'll believe it this way so we don't get convicted. And this man was a noted scientist. But give, give all this stuff time to be examined, time to look at it. Amen. Francis Bacon, the father of science, who was a devout Christian, said, and he, he put forth a formula of study and belief. He said, first of all, you observe. Secondly, you interpret. And thirdly, you apply. And what happens so many times is that they observe, they interpret, and that's when things get screwed up in the interpretation and they apply it wrong because of the interpretation or the, the interpretation of what they think is truth screws everything up at the application and that's why we find ourselves there's a, the way that, that man thinks but the end thereof is death. So, what has, what has evolution done? Evolution has spawned communism. Evolution has spawned Nazism, socialism. You had the 
you've had the one of atheist philosophers, Nietzsche, who when in his work he has spawned, Hitler found great pleasure with Nietzsche. And uh, we understand the results of that. Dr. Richard Lamsden, a former evolutionist, he was a mocker of Christians, mocker of Christianity, but there came a time of when he could not deny the evidence. I'm going to put up a book up here, Persuaded by the Evidence. Jot that down. If you want to know truth about evolution and such, this is a collection of scientists, many who were former evolutionists, and they recognized that they were going down a dead-end street. And they turned back to and sought, they interpreted, checked in the interpretation, and then they begin to apply that creation is the only, the only uh, 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 view that makes sense. Amen. So if you'll do yourself a great favor by getting a book like that, put that up one more time if you would, fellas. Persuaded by the evidence. There's some very interesting stories about these scientists who became Christians. Amen. Now, this next one, this last one, I will probably, I don't know if I'll, I'll lose very many, but I'm going to, you know, there will be some of you I'm going to challenge because we see this one here very prevalent today. You can't watch the, the weather on, especially on Channel 8, and that old boy loves to push this, climate change. The University of Alabama has proven climate change to be a hoax, to be a scam, a scheme. Now, let me give you a name of a man Dr. Tom Harris, you'll see it there on the screen, International Climate Change Coalition, he's the head of that. He, he again was a former activist in the climate change. And what had happened, he came and he had a friend of his who was a professor, and he came to visit the professor, and this professor began to uh, they begin to talk about climate change, and this professor said, well, that's a scam. And he, he got really insulted. And, and so the debate went on. And by the time they got done, Harris was reeling from all the uh, uh, facts that this professor, his friend, laid on him. It caused him to begin to go seek and go search, and he realized that the climate change is a scam that's being portrayed upon mankind by the UN. And in fact, the UN chair of climate change, his name, and I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly, Rajendra Takshuri, 
of the UN climate panel head. He's the one. Now listen to what he says. Climate, this is his words, climate change is a religion. What's that say to you? Amen. In fact, Harris went on to make a state, this, this statement. In fact, Harris was a former aerospace engineer. He said, there is no correlation, no correlation between CO2 and climate change. I, I heard this week that there is a move there in Ireland, Ireland to kill, what was it? a couple of million cows so that help the earth not to heat up. So if you want a good steak, just call Ireland. They're going to have plenty. I mean, they'll have two for one sale. See, it's bogus that cattle waste will affect, come on. But it's a scheme that, now follow me, it's a scheme that globalists and one world order people want to put on mankind. All right? Amen. Now, um, oh, here, I want to give you a book on that, too. Put that book up there, please. If you, there it is. Climate Change Reconsidered. By the way, did you know that by, if the Lord tarries in... in, in um, 2060, the earth's going to cool. Oh, can you imagine all the, oh, oh, oh. well, and how they're going to have to change. Maybe like Kaku who said, we were wrong. They might be like Fonzie, we were wrong. Yes. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 24, in that reference, jot that down. Because in these 20 verses, what's very interesting, Jesus is prophesying, and in these 20 verses, he mentions deception four times in just 20 verses. For every five verses, he's mentioning deception as it averages out. So what's going on today? And Jesus tried to get across us in the last days, there will be deception. And it's happening today. I want you to get ready to write this down because I'll mention it twice. Satan's one and only attack is to discredit truth and to get you to swallow a lie. That's his one and only attack. It started off in the garden when he, when he approached Eve. He wants to discredit truth he wants to get you to get off on something that's so foul and false and phony and such. He wants you to get off on that because then he can discredit the truth and thus he can begin to bind you and begin to imprison you in your sin. Amen. This is why these young people here, those who are in school, they really have a battle. Boy. Because you have deception politically in the government. 
you have deception scholarly in the education, and you have deception, and this one here really pains me to say, you have deception religiously in church. And that really pains me to say that. Here's another question. Have I been so deceived? Let me start again. Have I been so deceived that I am accepting man's ways over God's ways? I'll say it again. Have I been so deceived that I am accepting man's ways over God's ways? Now, that was my introduction. Second closing. I want to get, I want to get into the meat. <clears throat> I'm going to take you to two verses of Scripture that is the formula, holds the formula for victorious living. Just two. All right? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I have put these verses of Scripture to memory, and I seek to follow them because in them holds truth and life. Hallelujah. Paul is writing there. In fact, this entire 12th chapter is one fantastic chapter that just, just reeks and is full of life and instruction in behavior. But anyway. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We'll get back to that. And this one that I've, if I had a dollar for every time I quoted this next verse, verse 2, I would, I would buy everybody a steak dinner. I'll tell you that. Be not conformed to the swirl, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, if I get my thinking straight, Jim, would you hand me my Bible over there on that? I forgot to bring it up. If I will set my thinking straight and I will uh, make my thinking align up with this word of God, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. I'll be set free. I'll be set free from the alcohol. I'll be set free from the drugs. I'll set, be set free from the sex. I'll be set free from the lying. I'll be set free from the cheating. I'll be set free. And the list goes on. Amen. I want to show you in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, the New Living Translation says it so beautifully. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Don't move it yet. You see that? But we so many times are creatures of training, but that training has been askewed. And we pursue things that are not true. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. 
Now you can. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How many of you want life and peace? Here's your guidebook. Here's the manual. Let me go on. In verse 1, you see where it talks about the bodies. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is something I understand very well. When I went through cancer, stage 4 cancer, Each day was new in the emotion roller coaster. There'd be one day I'd be up, and one day I'd be down. I could not base my battle on emotion. I could not base my battle on my, my spirit. But I had to base my battle upon the Word of God because it is that two-edged sword that cuts both ways, hallelujah, and that can do that defensive and offensive work against the enemy that's trying to overtake me. And you that are battling certain sins, whether alcohol, drugs, whatever the case may be, you must bring your body under subjection because it's the one that cries out, I want more of this, I want more of that. And that is deception. It's leading you to death. Hmm. Amen. You've got to overcome the demand of the flesh and follow the dictates of the Spirit. Now, you see this jacket I'm wearing? A year ago, I couldn't wear it. It was like trying to put 10 pounds of taters in a five-pound bag. I got it buttoned. You know, somebody came along and go. So I had to face something. I had to face that I had a problem. I was eating wrong, eating constantly. Every time my elbow bent, it went right in. Eating the wrong things, drinking the wrong things and such, I had to face that. And so I had tried time and time and time again. But what had happened, I came to a, 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 a crossroads to where the Holy Spirit said, follow the word. But I, I want to go to Weight Watchers. Follow the Word. I want to do the Atkins diet. Follow the Word. Okay. So what, what, what do I need to do then, Lord? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I've got to bring it under subjection. Yeah, because you're not. Bring it under subjection. So I began to pray that. And then, yeah, it was a struggle at first, and still, it still is. Don't, I'm, I'm haven't been, I haven't been, taken, been raptured, taken up yet. 
But as I, I started off when I was 320 pounds. Now, 320 pounds is all right if you're eight feet tall. But as you can see, I'm not even close to that. You know, you're laughing when they call you, hey, here comes a Michelin man. Or they say, hey, how's, a, how's Pillsbury doing? So I had to focus, and I had to seek God's help and such. But I, listen to this, I had to set my mind I had to let my mind be transformed on the truth. And as I did that, the pounds began to be peeling off. Hallelujah. As of today, as of, as of this time in here, I have lost. How much have I lost? Forty-six pounds. And that which was tight now is loose. These pants, I haven't been able to wear these pants for two years. And now you know why I like that song. Well, look what the Lord has done. Mm -hmm. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. Now, let's, let's move on. So, we must present our bodies a living sacrifice where the old man and the old ways are buried, are done with, and we replace them with new things of what the Scripture says. New things, what God is telling us to do. Praise God. And then we go to holy, present yourself holy, acceptable unto God. Amen. Listen to me, church. Listen to me very closely. Holy means to be separate, to be separated from the, the, the old ways. I had to learn to do things new. I had to learn to replace that which was old, that which was killing me, that which was destroying me. I had to learn to replace my vocabulary. I had to learn to replace my eating. I had to learn to replace my, my dress and everything else. I had to learn to raise a standard up that is holy and acceptable before God. Amen. I had to follow, and here's the key word, I had to be obedient to the Word of God to where I could enjoy the freedom of God and have the joy of the Lord. Amen. And I learned that through going through the cancer. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah 8.10. You may want to jot that down. If you're going through a trial, hallelujah, let the joy of the Lord come upon you. And I'm not, not talking about a giddy laughter or anything, but I'm talking about a complete presence of peace and, and joy and contentment that only the Lord can give. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise God. I better hurry on. Closing number three. Verse two, be not conformed to this world. Now, this is something we don't have no problem in doing. We conform to this world. We get, we get pressured and, 
and pushed to do it this way, do it everybody else's way except God's. Huh? Amen. Be not conformed to this world. I have a, I have a really a ministering field where I work. I'm a, I'm a maintenance man now. And uh, I change out faucets and toilets and everything else. And so, where I work, they want to treat me right. Or their toilet will stay plugged. <laughs> I've got the power. Amen. I've gone there, and there's been times of where I, I have a few handful of skeptics there at the place. And we were talk, I was talking with one, and I said, oh, he, he came out and said the, that the religious movement or the religious sect and such, they, they do not have intelligent people. Now, what was that dude saying to me? You're dumb as a rock. You're stupid. <laughs> I looked at him and I said, hmm. Well, and I didn't get, you know, go to, okay, pilgrim, you know. <laughs> just stay calm, but know the truth. Know your answer, as Peter says. And I said, okay. Um, you say that, there's no intelligence. What about Ben Carson? And he looked at me. I said, even the world calls him a genius. He was able to separate Siamese twins when no one else could. Hmm. Uh, well, I'll see you later. And he took off on me. Man, I, hey, I ain't done with you yet, Jack. <laughs> I've had him start in with Francis Bacon, the father of science, who's a dedicated Christian. Amen. Sir Isaac Newton, who was lead chair there at uh, uh, Oxford University, who was a Christian. I'm, I'm not done yet. Louis Pasteur, who, 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 was, an ex, who was an excellent medical person, who, in, who invented certain things and formulas and such, why well, I can't go in all of them. He was a Christian. I, 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 could, I couldn't give him all. When you go get your MRI, next time you thank Damien, the man, Dr. Damien, he's a Christian. He invented the MRI. So you Christians are, you're not intelligent. Yeah, right. We may not be intelligent, but just, we just follow the book that's right. Amen. Because even... Even Stephen Hawking's before he died, they asked him the question, then how did the universe come to be? And his first answer was aliens. But they kept pressing and kept asking. And before he died, he said, there has to be a supreme designer. 
Think about it, folks. We have been led with a bunch of deception. You turn on the TV every day and deception. But let's get in. Now let's get into being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Changing, replacing. I want to I put a question up here. And I would like some of you, three or four of you, to answer us. Why did you come to Christ? I'm going to step down here just for a minute. And I'll come back up but I want, so I can see because some of that light I can't see very well. Why did you come to Christ? Think about it. Why did you come to Christ? And that's an answerable question. I want, I want at, least, at least three people who say, Rick. Say again. Yeah. I've seen him before Christ. And man, he is so handsome and so good looking after Christ. Amen. Amen. When you have a man come to his own wedding, say, drunk, you're in a skunk, say, let the party begin. And I thought, oh God, what am I going to do? And God said, go ahead and marry him. I'll take care of Rick. Did he not take care of the problem? <laughs> Someone else? Yes, man. Say it again. Yeah. Why did you come to Christ? Jim, I'm going to start dancing here, so just, you know, hallelujah. You see what I'm talking about? Yes, ma'am. Why did you come to Christ? Do you see what I'm talking about? Why did we come to Christ? Because we had a sin problem, and there was nothing else that could take care of it except Jesus Christ. Oh, it had different names to it. It had alcohol, drugs. It had lying, cheating, stealing, whatever the case may be. But we had to find that freedom, and that's why we came to Christ. You can have the arts. You can have science. You can have anything outside of these walls. But it's only Christ that can get inside and set you free. Amen. Amen. My, le- my next and last question, closing four. Isn't it time you did life his way? Isn't it time you did it his way? When I was a chaplain there in Pot County, I was in North Yellow where they would have, we'd have uh, uh, classes and such. And I'd have prisoners come in, and they would be coming in for the second and third time. And uh, one day, had this young man came in. He'd been in there before. And I looked at him. I said, can you tell me what's so inviting about these concrete walls and these steel doors? Can you tell me what's so inviting about that, that you've got to come back here? And he hung his head, and he goes, stupid, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Look at me. 
How often do you got to do the same old thing before you realize it's wrong? <laughs> My older brothers used to do, they used to do something to me. They'd, they'd be wrestling me, and then they'd grab me, and they'd take my, my hand, and, and, my, and they'd, be, they'd be slapping me in the face with my own hands. And they'd say, Gerald, quit hitting yourself. <laughs> and I'm looking up at them, and they're banging my face with my hand, you know, and I couldn't fight them off, and I'm banging my face. I wanted to say, if you let go of my hand, I'll stop hitting myself. But some of you... You're doing it to yourself. You ain't got no older brothers helping you. You're sitting there just pounding away at yourself. Isn't it time you did life his way? Amen. I want to close with Acts chapter 9, verse 5. I want you to turn there, please. Because, see, you're not the only one. You're... you're you're amongst fellow abusers that's done the same thing. And in fact, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he did the same thing. Amen. He thought he was so right, so right on, that uh, he was going out imprisoning Christians and at times killing him. But then he had a meeting one day. Verse 5, Acts chapter 9, verse 5. I'll give you time to get there. Amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 5. I haven't put it up on the board here because I want you to look in your own Bibles. Jesus says something to Paul here that is so powerful. Because he speaks to Paul, and Paul starts off and says, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Paul had to learn. Here he, he thought he was so right. But Jesus opened up his eyes. But Paul, a goad is a sharp stick back, back then. It was a sharp on one end. And they would poke the animals to get them going on down the road. And that's how you herded your oxen and, and cattle. You just poke them. And it, it oh, and I'm out of here, you know. And that was a goad. And here's Paul. Jesus said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, what's the matter with you, boy? Aren't you tired of the pain yet? Look at me, please. There's some of you here today, you're still kicking against them goads. You're still trying to do your own thing. What does Christ have to do to wake you up? Does he have to knock you off your animal? Does he have to blind you for three days? 
Or why can't we just accept what He's done for us? You'll have to forgive me those who are operating that camera. I got to get down. See, I don't, I can't stay up here all the time. I just, I told them I would, but I, uh, I'll have to repent down here. Because <laughs> I want to get down here where you're at. You see, I'm, I'm not bashing you because I've kicked against them goats, and every once in a while I find myself kicking against a goat, and, and the Lord has to come up, Gerald, what? Does the word say? I reminded of Pontius Pilate, who was in such authority. Jesus was standing before him, and he said this phrase What is truth? And that man did not realize truth was looking him right in the eye, didn't realize it till later on. It's recorded in tradition that Pontius Pilate did come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ before he died. So, here's my question, man. How long do you got to go? How long do you got to go before you go, okay, God, I surrender? There's a neat old song, I surrender all. How long? I've pastored for 45 years. Pastored the, some, some of you, I don't know if you know, I've pastored this church for 20. God's seen fit and I, I need you to sit down I want to bring someone who because we're going to we're about ready to go in in jet propulsion mode and you're 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 back in standard transmission <laughs> so I'm gonna bring a man in who's going to go in jet propulsion but I want you to stay there and help him and, and watch his back okay because you see I've learned the hard way how to stand because I've been hit I've been hammered I've had I've had I've had a visitation of a devil right in my bedroom saying I'm going to kill you and I told him get out of here I've seen that And I know what the enemy wants to do. He wants to discredit the truth and for you to bite into something that's so, so silly to hook you, to pull you away from Christ. I'll say one more thing. Seventh closing. Some of you are such you're being manhandled by the past and by your history. Because what's been done to you, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and that list goes on. Other, other negative 
deceptional training that you have received. And now you come here to church and now you, you're hearing this. You're hearing Pastor Aaron minister. Man, that kid can preach. I said the other day, I said, yeah, I'll preach me, brother. When, when will you surrender all? I like the words of Martin Luther King. Free at last, free at last. Bless God Almighty, free at last. I stood upon the word, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, when I was going through my cancer. But the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that after you suffer a while, he shall make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you. I held on to that verse all the way through until the surgeon and the radiologist said, this is phenomenal. We could not find the tumor, and we couldn't even find where it had been. This is phenomenal. They both use the same word. One an hour after the other. Why? Was the son of mine doing? Oh, please give me a break. The word. That truth. And I was free. So I'm going to ask here today, those who... The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on something that you need to be set free from. I'm going to give you a little formula on how to walk free. And sometimes it'll take work. <laughs> Most of the time it'll take work. But as you work, that freedom will come in and build and the muscle will be added to your spiritual body to where you'll go from wimpy, wimpy, wimpy to hefty, hefty, hefty. So I'm going to ask you right now. You hear and say, Preacher, God is dealing with me over a situation. I want to be free. I want to walk in that freedom. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You that are standing, I want you to look at me. These two verses that I preached on are for you. Learn to be a wise builder, a craftsman, building on the truth. You'll have some tough spots. You'll have some tough times. But you don't stop. When you feel yourself, you've tripped up and fell and, and you're sucking dirt, you get back up, dust yourself up, get back onto the truth again. And you keep going. And you keep going. 
until finally that which you desire, that which God is calling you to, comes and takes root and flourishes in your life. And then you can say like that old song, it is well with my soul. Now look at me, you're standing. I don't know your situation. I don't want to know your situation. But I want to tell you, get a hold of a verse of scripture or verses that pertain to your situation and memorize them, babies. This is why I put the memorization, Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace into the hearers. Because I had to clean up my mouth. And I, had, I couldn't do it on my own. And I got the Word of God. And every time I'd, I'd mull that, and I'd use that Word of God. And man, pretty soon, <laughs> cussing free. I didn't say cussing thee, cussing free. I was free from it. So you get a hold of a verse of scripture and you work it like a craftsman. You that are craftsmen, you know the tools make the job. Get the right tools. Get the right tools. Hallelujah. And use it. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Mighty God, these that, are these that are standing have observed and they are interpreting. Lord, they need your help. Father, I ask that you will help them to apply the truth, the word of God in their lives and that they will be an overcomer and they will be established on that solid rock, Jesus Christ. They will be established in a sure foundation. No more to be muscled by the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You that are standing, if you would like, you can be seated. If you would like, you put a scripture, whatever it is, you put it to memory and then come and tell me the scripture. You say, well, pastor, I haven't got memory that here's the scripture I'm going to stand on. Man, I will love listening to that. Hallelujah. I will rejoice. And I tell you what, I might get the old spiritual heebie-jeebies just start busting out and dance right before you. Hallelujah. Because I love it when somebody comes to freedom in Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love to see that. Amen. The devil's mad and I am glad. The devil's mad and I am glad. The devil's mad and I am glad because he lost a soul that he thought he had. Praise God, I'm redeemed. Soon. Soon, soon, we're out of here. Soon, Christ is coming back. Soon, hold fast, hold steady, 
Amen. Prophecy is being fulfilled right and left, right and left, right and left, right and left. I just discovered all new prophecy that's been fulfilled here in the last few months. Amen. I share with Jim. Jim and I always share back prophecies. Revelation chapter 13, you'll see in there where the, where the false prophet erects an image unto the beast and that the image speaks and has power and such. And then you go to artificial intelligence. And there's your image. And it's happening now. Did you get that, Ed? There's a man who's up on stuff right there. Artificial intelligence, they're doing it now. And that's where that image, that's that image. Interesting, isn't it? What the Bible has, if we only take time to dig in. Okay. I'm done. How many believe that? Not one amen. Man, there ought to be a law. Stand with me, please. Aaron, if you're watching, have a good time. And don't forget to rest. You, I know you've got a lot going on. you got... Whew. He's spinning more plates than I ever dreamed about spinning. Rest, my friend. Hallelujah. We'll see you back here, my friend. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to be with these folk. And Father... I ask, Lord, I ask with every fiber in my being, every fiber in my being, Lord, help them to stand doing all to stand. That they will be as the five wise virgins. They'll be ready. They'll be prepared. That when the bridegroom comes, they're out of here. And many more with them. Thank you, Father. Be with them now as they go to their separate places. And I thank you for them, Lord. And mighty God, be with this garage sale. Help Steve and Diana and all the rest of them. Help them, oh God, to organize that. Wow. So that we can help. We can help people. Thank you, Father. Be with them now as they go. And all those who's, who's glad you came this morning, would you say amen? amen. God bless you.